As the death toll rises in the one of the deadliest quakes in decades, a global humanitarian aid effort faces deep challenges. The 7.8 magnitude earthquake that struck southern Turkey and northern Syria in early February killed tens of thousands of people, flattened wide areas of cities and sent the region, which was already grappling with a refugee crisis and over a decade of war into a monumental recovery effort. The 7.8 magnitude Temblar striking in the early hours of Feb. 6 was Turkey's deadliest earthquake since 1939, when more than 30,000 people were killed, and among the deadliest worldwide in decades. A powerful aftershock of magnitude 7.5 followed, and experts warned that there could be more, posing potential risks to the structural integrity of unstable buildings in the earthquake zone. Turkey's two main fault zones, the East Anatolian and the North Anatolian, make it one of the most seismically active regions in the world, and more than 70 quakes of magnitude 6.5 or higher have been recorded in the region since 1900. As of Feb. 24, the death toll in Syria and Turkey had surpassed 49,000. In Turkey, the authorities said that more than 43,000 people had died. In Syria, the death toll crossed 5,500, according to figures from the United Nations. Thousands of buildings were destroyed or rendered unstable, leaving hundreds of thousands of people without shelter in rain, snow, and temperatures that often dip below freezing. Millions are in need of aid, according to relief agencies. In Syria alone, the United Nations said that as many as 5.3 million might have lost their homes. In the bitter cold, rescue workers pulled thousands of survivors from the rubble, but experts say that the chances of rescuing more declined sharply a few days after a quake. Even after that period, there have been some miraculous rescues. In recent days, desperation has increasingly set in as the rescue missions have turned to recovery. The situation for survivors in both Syria and Turkey is dire with people reluctant to return to their homes and using bonfires of wreckage to stay warm, huddling in cars and suffering frequent power outages and shortages of fuel. They are also short on food and medical supplies. Turkey has imposed a three-month state of emergency in 10 provinces, and the National Emergency Agency has distributed a huge quantity of tents and mobilized thousands of vehicles, including excavators, including excavators, cranes and tow trucks with the help of more than 230,000 relief workers. Dozens of countries have sent teams and supplies, and a makeshift healthcare system has sprung up. The quake zone in Turkey stretches across more than 200 miles, from the Mediterranean in the south across mountains, and to the east-central highlands and into the east-central highlands and into northwestern Syria. Snow-covered mountain passes, buckled highways and buildings that collapsed over roads have all delayed the arrival of rescue teams and aid. Getting help to Syria has been complicated by the country's civil war, the division of territory in its northwest and the acrimonious relations between President Bashar al-Assad and many Western nations. The United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has announced the launch of a $397 million humanitarian appeal for Syria over three months. In the immediate aftermath of the earthquake, the only United Nations-approved crossing to bring international aid into northwestern Syria was, for a time, not functioning because of damage in the area, according to you.
No, officials. Some food, clothes, blankets and other supplies have arrived, received by exhausted and frustrated rescuers and doctors who say it is still not nearly enough, especially in a region where many people were displaced by war and struggling to survive before the earthquake. The United Nations' top aid official said on Feb. 12 that aid efforts so far had failed the people of northwest Syria. They rightly feel abandoned, the official Martin Griffiths wrote on Twitter from the Turkey-Syria border. Rescue workers in northwestern Syria say that without more help from the outside world, there was little they could do. We felt helpless, just helpless. Just helpless, said Ali Obeid, 28, a member of the White Helmet civil defense group that operates in parts of the opposition-held northwest. Much of the international aid to Syria from the United Nations and other agencies flows through the capital, Damascus, allowing the government of Mr. al-Assad to limit what goes to opposition-held areas. United Nations agencies must get permission to then deliver some of the aid across front lines to opposition-held areas, requests that are often denied. On Feb. 13, Mr. Al-Assad agreed to the opening of two additional border crossings from Turkey into opposition-held territory in northwest Syria to allow the United Nations to deliver humanitarian relief. The decision, which would let aid flow for three months, was the first time that Mr. Al-Assad had cooperated in opening opposition-held territory to such assistance since, since Syria's civil war began in 2011. The Syrian government has blamed you, a Syrian government has blamed USS sanctions for deepening the humanitarian disaster the country has suffered since the earthquake. Those sanctions do not target humanitarian aid, and the State Department has rejected calls to lift them, saying that aid efforts were not impeded by the policy. Quake hardships pile up. Hundreds of thousands are sheltering in tents, breathing air thick with pollutants unleashed from tombs of rubble, fearful that a new disaster could strike at any moment. After powerful earthquakes struck southern Turkey, Ilam Sahutoglu and her family endured two weeks of freezing nights under a blue tarpaulin. Then word came from government engineers who had inspected their building. They could return home. But on Monday night, before they could move back into their house in Hatay province, the earth began shaking again. Another powerful quake had hit the region. My legs went numb. Ms. Sahatoglu said, recalling how she had fainted in her front yard as the house crumbled at her feet. Ms. Sahatoglu's ordeal is emblematic of the plight of thousands of Turks who were preparing to return home, only to be thrown deeper into uncertainty, lurching from one calamity to the next. Hatay is a tableau of life at extremes, shaped by devastated infrastructure and pressing human need after a 7.8-magnitude earthquake struck on Feb. 6, followed by a very strong aftershock the same day. The quakes killed more than 43,000 in Turkey and over 5,500 in Syria. Then Monday, 6.3-magnitude earthquake struck. Despite the flow of international aid into Turkey, the nearly 1.7 million displaced people in the quake zone face the almost impossible challenge of rebuilding their lives in squalid conditions. About 750,000 are sheltering in tents, breathing air thick with pollutants unleashed from tombs of rubble as tectonic plates continue to rumble, reminders that a fresh disaster could strike at any moment. The extensive damage to infrastructure is swiftly turning hard, hit communities into petri dishes for disease, 
according to healthcare officials and residents. More than 800,000 people have fled the quake zone since the first earthquake, according to Eunice Caesar, the head of Turkey's emergency management agency AFAD. About 350,000 others have been evacuated from the affected zone. Others have been evacuated from the affected zone via trains, planes or buses supplied by the government. Even when we are standing still, we feel like we are moving, said Ms. Sahadoglu's son Ahmet 20. He added that the unpredictability of the aftershocks, coupled with the harsh living environment, had prompted families to vacate land they have owned for generations and to move to coastal cities like Antalya, Mersin or Konya in central Turkey. The exodus of residents from Hatay has turned the constellation of historic cities along the Mediterranean into ghost towns. Thousands of engineers have fanned out across the wrecked areas to assess the safety of buildings left standing, as residents wait in shelters, many too afraid to enter their homes even if they are intact. Recalling how the two engineers from the Ministry of Urbanization told her family to move back in, Ms. Sahuto Glu said it was a moment of hope, but they were barely here for two minutes, she added. The inspectors had briskly hammered chunks of plaster from the walls of the 45-year-old building to reveal the concrete underneath, before deeming it safe. They did not even ask me my name. They just told me that the building was strong, she said. She decided to trust them. Her family of 14 was impatient to vacate the crowded tent pitched in the yard, which sits on the main street of Samandag one of a series of hamlets that dot the coastal road meandering south through the region of Hatay. Mrs. Sahudoglu began preparing the house for their return. She scrubbed the floors and countertops, which were coated with dust, she washed blankets and laid them on her rooftop to dry, and she sent her son out to collect tomatoes for a warm breakfast the next morning. Finally, I felt like I was at home, she said. But hours later she heard a familiar rumble from the mountains and the walls began to shudder. The new quake had struck near Samandag. When she regained consciousness, the washed blankets were slanted toward her from atop the caved-in ceiling just as she had left them. The crate of tomatoes, miraculously intact, was perched outside her son's bedroom door. They told us we were safe, miss, Sahutoglu said. Now what can we do? We are back to living with the chickens. The Turkish government has been criticized for the slow pace of its recovery effort, which is being overseen by AFADA. It has confronted logistical complexities in removing mountains of debris and identifying safe relocation sites for those displaced. The Sahadoglus's house is one of many buildings that crumbled into a desolate moonscape, replacing the spirited main road of ramshackle buildings and storefronts that ran through the district. People here love their neighbors said Ilgnor Sahuto, 26, whose home was destroyed on Monday. She sat in her father's hulking six-wheel truck, contemplating the ruination of the world she once knew. My childhood was in that house, and now it is gone, she said in tears. Other trucks ferrying water canisters and food kicked up dust as they headed south. A throng of private cars stacked with mattresses, couches, and other belongings moved in the opposite direction. If she could steal back five minutes to run inside the house when the quake hit, she said, I would make sure to grab an early photograph of my father and mother who died last February. Since the earthquake, she said, she and her sisters have been pleading with their father to grab a chance at another life.
He is too attached to this place and all our memories here, miss. Sahuto Glue said, adding that she worried living conditions had grown untenable. Most of the water in the district has either stopped running or has turned muddy. Her family's private well is buried under the rubble of their collapsed home. We can't find enough water to wash our hands and faces, said Ms. Said Ms. Sayutoglu, who worked as a nurse in the nearby city of Antakya before the hospital was destroyed in the first quake. This will be a huge problem here with regard to infections and viruses entering the body, she said, adding that her sister has bronchitis. Suleyman Altman, 42, a resident of Kanya province in central Turkey who helped organize an aid depot in a storefront in Samandig, said, Life is turned upside down again. Many people here decided to leave after the second quake. Across the street from the Sahatoglus's home, residents emerged from tents with plastic containers and congregated outside the narrow storefront, where they were served scoops of red soup and vermicelli noodles. The storefront was evidence of how the crush of disasters can rally communities to come together. But the depot will soon close, said Mr. Altman, who will return north to his district by the end of the week. AFAD will continue to deliver bottled water from across the country to the district. Still, it will not nearly be enough for those who remain, he said. Joe English, a spokesman for UNICEF, said that without access to safe drinking water and access to appropriate sanitation, the risk of disease outbreak soars in the aftermath of such crises where we see large numbers of people forced from their homes and living in cramped conditions. Big natural disasters like this month's earthquake can release toxins into the air from soil, homes, industrial waste sites, and other sources which are inhaled by residents who crowd into emergency shelters. This could breed an array of ailments, according to experts, who say they are increasingly worried about outbreaks of flu and respiratory illnesses in the quake zone. Doctors at a field hospital of 50 beds in Antakya, about 25 miles north of Samandag, say they have seen an uptick of people with gastrointestinal infections this week. Portable water systems have not been entirely set up yet, and access to toilets and sheltering problems are substantial, said Althea Zap. A professor of microbiology and infectious diseases at Ankara University, who warned of an increase in bowel infections and skin rashes throughout the disaster zone. Despite the threat of disease and waning resources to help, some families are refusing to leave. Two days after their house collapsed, the Sahataglus sat in the early morning shade of lemon trees in their yard, riddled with rubble. Children pumped brackish water from the earth to wash clothes as Ahmet shaved his father's beard with thick white foam. These trees are older than my children, Mrs. Sahatoglu said. They fried potatoes in a blackened pan on burning wood and sat around a plastic table. Breakfast included black olives they had retrieved from the rubble. We were born here, Mrs. Sahatoglu said. We have grown up here. We will die here. We will die here. Muna Al-Omar, a resident, said she was in a tent in a park in central Antakya when the earthquake hit. I thought the earth was going to split open under my feet, she said, crying as she held her seven-year-old son in her arms. Is there going to be another aftershock? she asked. The two larger earthquakes that hit on Feb. 6, which also rocked neighboring Syria, left more than a million homeless and killed far more than the latest official tally of 46,000 people in both countries. Smaller tremors have jolted the region in the last two weeks, but the Monday quake was the largest since Feb. 6. It was very strong. 
It jolted us out of our places, said Burhan Abdurrahman, who was walking out of his tent in a camp in Antakya city center when the earthquake struck. I called relatives in Syria, Adana, Mersa, and Izmir everywhere to check on them. The epicenter of the earthquake was near the Turkish city of Gaziantep, where around half a million Syrian refugees were living, and much of the city was left in ruins. Much of Antakya, the capital of Turkey's Hatay province, known as Antioch to the people of ancient Greece and Rome, was destroyed, with whole neighborhoods in ruins, including the oldest part of the city. Rebuilding cities where possible will take years, at least a decade, experts say.